Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to talk about the Bengals' win over the Rams. We're going to review the upcoming game against the Titans, and we're also going to welcome in special guest Mark Walters, also known as the Third Down Guy. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Hey, Cincinnati Bengals fans. I would like to introduce to you the one and only Frank LaPlaca. After two rough divisional losses, Joe Burrow being injured, the season was looking pretty bleak. But we got through it. We got back on track. The team came alive when we needed it the most. We came alive on a Monday night game, a whiteout in Cincinnati, where we paid tribute to two great Bengals in our ring of honor and kept our season alive. All right, so a 1916 win, a revenge win against the Rams, a team whose name I couldn't say for about nine months after that Super Bowl. It was nice to see Aaron Donald be on the losing end. It was nice to see us be on the winning end and continue this magical season that we all know is destined for great things. So where do we stand right now? If you think about it, we're 0-2. Things weren't looking too good. Now we're 1-2. and And in the AFC, there's only one team that's 3-0, and and that's the Dolphins. There's six teams tied at 2-1, and one, including our whole division, and everyone else is 1-2 and two except the 0-3 Broncos. So when you look at it, we're a game out of first place in our division. We're a game out of the wild card. Even though we had the slow start, we're right in the hunt of things. We win a couple games in a row, and we're right in the playoff picture again. I mean, if you look at the seedings because of tiebreakers and stuff, right now we're the 14th seed in the AFC, but really all that matters is the record. Most teams are 2-1. and one. We're 1-2. and two. That's a game difference. Playoffs are still very much in our sights. 0-3 oh, would have been tough. I wasn't going to write off the season if that was the case, but sitting at 1-2 and two when, like I said, everyone pretty much has one loss is not a bad spot to be in. So the main thing on our minds is Joe Burrow and where do we go from here. Now, it's hard to be fully confident when you know that Joe Burrow is not 100% and he is the key to winning and the key to this franchise. But as of now, I mean, they toughed it through a game. They got a win when they needed it most. They game-planned around it. You know, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future. We're hoping that Joe can continue to play, play all 17 games, roar into the playoffs. But as Deion Sanders said, injuries don't get better during an NFL season. And I don't mean to be a pessimist about it. It's just the reality. We're going to be dealing with this problem the whole season. Every time Joe Burrow is dropping back, every time Joe Burrow is scrambling, every time Joe Burrow is sacked... We're going to be a little bit nervous and a little bit worried that, you know, he's going down, the season's in trouble. So that's the reality that we're faced with this year. It's a rough reality. You know, you don't think about those things. You think you're just going to go into the season with the best quarterback in football and just march through your schedule. We're dealt with a little bit of adversity. And like I said, we're going to just be hanging by a thread all season long. But we've seen the magic of Joe Burrow before. We've seen him come back from a horrific knee injury and take this team to the Super Bowl. We saw him get an appendectomy before the season starts. We go to an AFC championship that season. So I don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to have to put our faith in the coaching staff and this great roster and hope that Joe Burrow can hang on by a thread, win a bunch of games, and take us to where we want to go. 
And that's going to be the fine line all season. You know, if it gets worse, it's like, do you sit him for a while to get him healthy for the long term? Or do you play and, you know, try to live in the moment? It's just going to be this quandary that we're faced with the whole year. But you know what? We just have to take it one week at a time. Just like life. You take it one day at a time. Of course, we have future plans. And of course, you should. You do have to plan for the future. But just like life, nothing's guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Joe Burrow playing against the Titans isn't guaranteed. But we're just going to take it one day at a time, one game at a time, and march forward and just have a lot of fun watching this team. And it's a good team. No matter what happens, we're going to be in the thick of things. So we signed A.J. McCarron, which was a pretty interesting twist. He'd been playing in the Arena League for the last season. He tore his ACL two years ago, so he's kind of been off everyone's grid. And I'm kind of glad that we got a veteran in the building and someone who's got a great history with us. You know, if you remember back in the 2015 season, he came in for Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton was having an MVP season up to that point. And he took the reins and took us into the playoffs and played well enough to beat the Steelers. And, of course, we all know what happened that fateful day that fateful game. But it's nice to have him in the building. It's just comforting for Cincinnati fans, a guy who has played in the NFL before, a guy that has done good things for this organization. He obviously wasn't able to be active this week because he came into the building on like Friday or Saturday. So he wasn't a possibility for this week. But moving forward, he could end up being the backup. Maybe he gets a start if anything crazy happens to Burrow and Browning doesn't pan out. Either way, good insurance policy. And I think all Bengal fans were happy to see A.J. McCarron be signed and be part of this team again. And in this game, they brought Reed Sinet off the practice squad, which leading up to the game, that was kind of a tip-off that Joe Burrow wasn't playing. It was like, why are we bringing the number three up if Joe Burrow is going to play? You don't need three quarterbacks. But I think they did it for two reasons. As a precaution, just in case Burrow couldn't go, and then you know Aaron Donald gets a hold of, of Browning, and now you're down to nothing. So it was smart to have a third quarterback. And I also think it kept up the mystique. You know, when other teams saw, oh, they brought up their their practice squad quarterback, you know, Burrow must not be playing. So I like the gamesmanship there, and I like the fact that we kept it a mystery pretty much up until the opening whistle of the game. And I think bringing Reed Sinet to the active roster worked those two reasons, like I said. All right, let's go over some observations from the game. So first off, it was a whiteout, and I thank all the Cincinnati fans for coming to the game in white. The stadium was crazy. Everybody bought into it. You know, you saw a couple people wearing their orange and their black, but most of that crowd had white on. It was one unified front. It was a great night for the organization, and it was cool to see. You know, it's cool to see the stadium just lit up with white jerseys all over the crowd. The team wore the white jerseys that, that everyone loves so a pretty cool night aesthetically and visually. And then we honor Boomer Esiason, one of the Bengal greats. Chad Johnson, another one of the Bengal greats. It was great to see them go into the ring of honor. And Boomer didn't wear number seven, and Chad didn't wear Ocho Cinco. Boomer wore number nine to honor Joe Burrow. Chad wore number one to honor Jamar Chase. I thought that was a classy move. It was nice to see Ken Anderson put the jacket on Boomer Esiason because those of us old enough to remember that, there was a passing of the torch. It was Ken Anderson for a long time. He was the franchise. He was the Joe Burrow. And then they draft Boomer Esiason, and there was this moment in time where it was like, wow, it's the changing of the guard. And Anderson putting the jersey on Boomer was another reference to that changing of the guard. And then Chad Johnson had Willie Anderson put the jersey on him. Again, another great. So they had two Ring of Honor guys putting the jackets on the two new Ring of Honor guys. Willie Anderson, great Bengal class act. So it was just a really good night for Bengals fans. You know, everybody's dressed in white. The Bengals are in this cool alternate uniform. We're on Monday Night Football in front of the world. We desperately need a win. We're inducting Boomer Esiason and Chad Johnson into the Ring of Honor. Just a great night for Cincinnati, a great night for the Bengals. And the ultimate result was we got the win that put us back in. It was just a magical night. And I'm glad everything happened the way that it did. So on to the actual on-field stuff. Joe Burrow, 49 pass attempts. When you read the stat on that, you're thinking, whoa, that's a little reckless, Coach Taylor. You know, the guy is barely healthy. He's playing on one leg. You're having him drop back 49 times. But the way the game went, they, they played such a safe, shotgun, quick-passing offense. It didn't really feel like Joe was put in harm's way too much. We were on the shotgun on every snap. Joe was only sacked twice, hit a few times, so it wasn't as bad as seeing 49 pass attempts on paper, but still, that's a lot. 
That's a lot of plays to expose them to the risk. That's a lot of plays where Bengals fans are holding our breath, hoping that everything's going to be okay. And it was a night where Joe Mixon was running hard as well. So it's possible that we didn't need to put Joe Burrow in that position that much. But the way the game played out, it worked. He came out healthy. So we're not going to read into it too much. But moving forward, I don't think you can have Joe Burrow dropping back 40 to 50 times in a game with a compromised calf. So we're going to have to think about that. But again, you're going to have to play it on a week-by-week basis. There's some games where you're going to have to throw yourself into a victory. There's some games where you can rest him up a little bit and rely more heavily on the run. In this case, everything worked out. He was healthy, and we got the win. And there's nothing better when Burrow and Chase get going. You see it in the crowd. Everybody, it's just so electric when Burrow completes a nice pass to Chase or when Chase is just running in the open field. It's just exciting when your two best players connect. Your players that fueled you to a Super Bowl two years back connect. And it was nice to see Chase come alive on this night. And they were moving Chase all over the place. They had him on the left. They had him on the right. They had him in the slot. They had him in the backfield. They had him in motion. And the key to that is teams are keying on him and doubling him and shadowing him and trying not to let him be the game breaker. So you can't just put him out on an island there in a predictable spot and let the defenses scheme against them. You're going to move him around and put him in situations where he can get open, where he's not double teamed, maybe when he has a nickel corner on him or even a linebacker and a nickel you know, things that he can defeat like that. I think it was great game planning, and I think we're going to see that for the rest of the season. You're not just going to see Jamar line up on one side and have to fight through double coverage constantly. It paid off in this game. He had a huge game and was one of the biggest reasons why we won this game. And I guess it shows that the Bengals coaching staff listens to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Because last episode I was saying that we run to the right too much. we got to go to the left behind Brown and Volson. I think that's the stronger side of the offensive line. And sure enough, we ran a lot this game to the left. And Joe Mixon had an explosive game, one of the biggest plays of the game. And it just seemed to really be working on the left. So I'm glad that the coaching staff is listening to me and keep it up. I'll try to give you as many ideas as I can during the season. And Coach Taylor had that brilliant timeout. We were in a bad look. The Rams snap it. They have their tight end wide open in the end zone for a touchdown. Little does everyone know, Coach Taylor's on the side running to the referee, calling timeout right before that play happens. So when you say the coaching staff got you something, won you something, that was a classic example. In addition to the great play calling and the great scheming for the game, he was actually alive and present in that moment, called the timeout, and stopped the Rams' touchdown. And he also had that gutsy call on 4th and 1. We were at the Rams 40. It was in the 4th quarter. Now you could have taken a chance and had McPherson try a 57-yarder, or you could have punted the ball away. But we said it's 4th and 1. We're going to go at him. And sure enough, Mixon gets this key first down that drains the clock and drains the life out of the Rams. Two great coaching decisions in this game of many good coaching decisions. And we were losing the field position battle early, like we did against the Browns, like we did against the Ravens. We had a few questionable punts from Brad Robbins. Their punter was nailing it, and it just seemed like the Rams were starting up to 30-40 every time, and we were starting inside the 20. But that quickly got flipped around with the turnovers. Robbins came alive a little bit late, but I was worried on the early parts of the game. I'm like, man, we're losing the field position battle. This cannot be good for the long term. And then defensively, if you're winning the turnover battle, you're winning the game. We had those two huge interceptions, which I'll go into later. The second half defense was off the hook. Coach Anarumo continues to make these phenomenal halftime adjustments. Same thing here in the second half. It was just a jailbreak with the pass rush, and we just shut them down. We made the adjustments that we needed to make. And I'm going to keep saying it over the course of the year, we can't keep Coach Anarumo for the long haul because he's such a good defensive mind and such a good coach that teams are going to want him to be their head coach. So let's appreciate him while we have him. And he was just electric in his play calling and his defensive structure for this game. We were phenomenal in the red zone. The Rams would get inside the red zone, we would keep him out. First drive of the game, they get into the red zone, we find a way to get a sack, push him back, they go for a field goal. And then the other key is third down. So as a defense, if you can stop him in the red zone, if you can stop him on third down, you're going to have a winning effort. The Rams came into this game leading the league in third down percentage. And we held them to 1 for 11. And the 11th was only on the last play from scrimmage from them. So up, up till then, they were 0 for 10 on third downs. 
That's the formula to winning. That's good defense. Third down is the money down. No matter what game you're watching, when I see third down, I'm watching because that's the most exciting play in football, and the Bengals just continually shut them down on third down. The Rams kind of abandoned the run game. I don't know if it was our scheming, but we made them vacate the run game and go to the air, and we saw the end result. They, they could only put one touchdown late on the board and a couple field goals and just not enough to win in Cincinnati. And as I said, it was a jailbreak on defense with the pressure. We had six sacks in this game. It's hard to lose when you have two turnovers and six sacks. And the Bengals' defense showed up when the offense was a little compromised because of Burrow's injury and a slow start offensively to the season. The defense really won us this game. And Coach Anarumo had a lot of defensive back blitzes. We saw that Dax Hill play. Hilton was in the backfield a lot. You saw Nick Scott blitz. He was blitzing the defensive backs more than the linebackers, and that's a pretty interesting wrinkle, and that can confuse teams. And especially with the speed that we have at defensive back, those guys can get in there in a hurry, and it totally worked. On the Rams' side, I think that Nakua is special. This rookie, fifth-rounder, no-name Comes in, gets all these receptions. Uh, He set a record for the first two games for a player in his career. Most receptions. The Bengals held him down more than most teams, but he still had that huge catch late and a few first down catches and a couple really nice catches. So I'm not going to talk about the Rams players too much, but I was very impressed with Nakua, and I was very impressed with the speed of Atwell. And it almost burned us on that first drive where we barely got him out of bounds. And then later on in the game, he had that streak down the left sideline, which set up a score for them. So they have two very electric young players. And although, you know, it's not Cooper Cup and names that we've heard before, they have two young electric players that are going to contribute to that franchise. So good luck to them. But in reality, I hate you, Rams. I hate any team that has spoiled my dreams. Pittsburgh, hate you. 49ers, hate you. Even the Jets knocked us out a couple times over the years. The Texans, the list goes on. I guess I hate pretty much every team in the league because... I love the Bengals and I don't love any other team. And some of these teams have knocked us out. Any team that has caused the end of our season doesn't get a pass with me. And the Rams, that was our Super Bowl. Like, when you think about it, Stafford beat Burrow? No, no, it can't be. But you know what? Stafford didn't beat Burrow. Aaron Donald beat Burrow. No, not even. Aaron Donald beat Hakeem Adeniji and Isaiah Prince and that offensive line. That's who won it. It wasn't Stafford beating Burrow, but it just drives me crazy to think that our magical season and our great team lost to a Matthew Stafford-led team. All right, inactives for this game were a little bit surprising. Trenton Irwin inactive, and I heard by bringing up Sinet that they had to sit one of the wide receivers. I don't know, maybe Yoshivas? I don't know. Charlie Jones is returning punts. You have the big three. I guess it makes sense on some level, but it just was weird seeing Trenton Irwin out of uniform and again they continue to underutilize him just like Chris Evans who was also inactive but I think Chris Evans is still a little banged up and Jackson Carmen, I don't understand how he's an inch away from winning the right tackle position and now he's inactive every week I don't get it I don't know what's going on I think he had a great end of the season last year maybe the coaching staff sees more than I see but is it position versatility is it because Sharpen can play center is it I don't I don't know. I don't is it because Deontay Smith can play guard and tackle, but so can Jackson Carmen. It's just a mystery why Jackson Carmen has not been in uniform because I was thinking of him as the sixth offensive lineman this season and a stone's throw away from him going in replacing Jonah Williams. But that's just me. Coach Pollock and the coaching staff knows better, and that's I guess why Jackson Carmen is inactive, but it's a little bit of a mystery to me. And on the announcing side, I think Lewis Riddick is great. His football knowledge, his coolness, and he even called the Hendrickson sack right before it occurred. He goes, it's time for Trey Hendrickson to to come alive, or I can see Hendrickson coming alive, whatever he said. Next thing you know, Hendrickson is all over Stafford. It was like, it was one of those Tony Romo calls. Remember when Tony Romo first started, he was like predicting exactly what was going to happen. Riddick had that exact moment. I mean, he didn't say it more than two seconds prior and there was Hendrickson getting a big sack but it goes beyond that I think he's a great commentator and it's fun listening to him and that's why he's on Monday Night Football and speaking of Dan Orlovsky gives great strategic insight he knows quarterback play so well he also has a coolness and an intelligence about him so very good color analyst for the Monday Night game it made the game even that much more enjoyable and of course the game is always enjoyable when the Bengals win let's not lie All right, moving on to why we won. Very simply, 
turnovers, red zone defense, third down defense. You talk to any coach in the league, and it, and if I told them you're going to win the turnover battle, you're going to shut the other team down in the red zone, and you're going to hold them for one for 11 for third downs, I don't think there's any coach, any player, anybody on earth that doesn't think you're going to win that game. So those were the three main factors on why we won, but there were other things too. We schemed Joe Burrow properly. We got a system where he could function and be somewhat of a Joe Burrow. We kept him upright. It was an intelligent offensive game plan. There was quick passing, the moving of Chase. So all of those things factored in, and Coach Anarumo. So we had great defensive performances. Chase played very well. Burrow played very well despite the circumstance. But the coaching, the offensive scheming, and the defensive scheming, and the second-half scheming, those are all major contributors on why we won this game. All right, so let's talk about the game flow and how the game went. In the previous two episodes, I kind of went over every drive. I think that gets a little too much. Sometimes it's just too much information to take in. So I'm going to make more of a summary of it. And for those of you that didn't watch the game, and again, I'm going to say shame on you, at least by listening to this flow of the game, you'll kind of understand what happened. So basically, we go back and forth with field goals in the first half. But at the end of the half, the key time to score, we hit a 53-yarder to tie the game. We go into the half at 6-6. Rams come out of the gate, we get that big timeout by Coach Taylor, which prevents a touchdown, and we force the Rams to kick a field goal, so now they're up 9-6. And what do we do? Second half adjustments. We come up with our best drive ever after halftime, after making the adjustments, after having, you know, sometimes you go into the game and say, this is what we're going to do the first half, and this is how we're going to come out the second half, and then you tweak that a little bit based on what happened. But we come out with a 10-play, 75-yard drive. We go up 13-9, our first lead of the season. After that, they get a huge pass to Van Jefferson to answer us, but then the next play, Logan Wilson gets that interception. And then we answer with a huge play to Jamar, that the best pass of the game, which I'll go into later, a 43-yarder down the right sideline, and it sets up a field goal. Now we're up 16-9. Bengal fans are, at least I am, breathing a little easy, knowing that we're up 7, and no matter what the Rams do at this point, we're still going to be right in the game. Rams get an interception on us, but our D-line just takes over the game from there. We drain the clock for a 54-yard field goal. Now we're up 19-9, two scores. The Rams get the ball back. We stop them, and they punt with 6.02 left on the clock. I know it was a fourth and long, but it's like, I don't know if there's enough time to score twice, guys. And sure enough, they punt with 6.02 down by 10 points. We get it. We drain more clock. We punt to them and give them about three and a half minutes. They drive down. They get that huge pass to Nakua. Then they get a walk-in touchdown on another miscommunication in the secondary. And now it's 19.16, a minute left in the game. They kick an onside's kick, and normally you just don't think that's ever going to work, but when that ball was bouncing to Wilcox, I was getting a little nervous. It just looked like a tough one to handle, even though it wasn't a great kick. Wilcox swallows it up. Game over. Bengals win 19-16. All right, so let's talk about my favorite Bengal topic, and that is Joe Burrow. It was nice to see him get interviewed after the game by all the news outlets and have him smiling and being on the winning end and not questions about what's going wrong, what's this, what's that, but just more like, hey, congratulations on the win, how you feeling, what's your prognosis for the season? So when we analyze this game, it's obvious that he's hurt. He won this game on one leg against a really good defense, and what happened was he did exactly what the coaching staff asked of him. He executed that quick passing game, minimal movement, They protected him, and he lived up to the task, and he executed that game plan, and it resulted in a Bengals victory. Yeah, he had a couple errant throws. Obviously, it wasn't the Joe Burrow that we know. He missed a couple passes deep. But overall, when it was time to be accurate, he was accurate. And he was accurate and very good in spite of that injury. He was mad when he missed Higgins on that deep ball. You very rarely see Joe Burrow get frustrated with himself because normally his body just does what he wants it to do, and it leads to great things. And it's tough. You know, it's, I mean, I've pulled hamstrings. I've had athletic injuries. And when you can't play like you normally play or want to play just because of an injury, not even performance, it's not you're playing good or you're bad, you're just compromised. It's tough. Like when I tore my ACL, 
it was so weird because like I told you, you almost had to learn to walk again. And I would just see people like walking and running around and I would actually get jealous. And it's, you, you know, you take these things for granted and we take that for granted that, you know, Joe Burrow moves around and can, and can scramble and can run all over the field and celebrate and run off the field. But when you're compromised physically, it's a totally different story. And regardless of that, he held his own. He won the game for us when we most needed it. Clutch Joe Burrow just like usual. He had that great pass to Higgins, but there was offensive pass interference. He had that back shoulder throw to Chase where it was like, did he throw behind him? But it looks like he kind of threw him open and put it where Chase wasn't going to take a big hit. He had a couple sideline passes to Chase. Like I told you, if you've ever played quarterback before, getting that deep out is such a hard throw. It's it's so much longer than just a slant for 15 yards. Like an out for 15 yards, you know, tack on another eight or so yards because you're throwing it to the sideline. And he was hitting those throws. And the pass of the game, which I'm going to highlight on social media, you have Chase Brown in the backfield, possibly for the first time in the game. And Burrow, you know, shifts him and says, go behind me. It almost looked like Burrow was mad. I think it was all planned. And then Brown goes to the left. Burrow fakes the pitch. The whole defense goes swimming that way. Burrow floats out to the right. Barely any mobility. Gets it done. Hits Chase perfectly on the run, on the move. Burrow's moving to the right, throwing as he's moving. And there's Chase for 43 yards, the longest pass play of the season for the Cincinnati Bengals. And basically, the basketball Joe Burrow comes out. You know, everyone says he's a point guard. And in this case, it was a compromised point guard. So what did he do? He just sat back in the shotgun and found the open receiver consistently. Whether it was Tanner Hudson, whether it was Tyler Boyd, whether it was Higgins, whether it was Chase, whether it was Mixon out of the backfield, he just found the open guy and played point guard. And it was a great philosophy. It worked. And Joe Burrow executed it perfectly. You're not going to be perfect playing on one leg. There's going to be errant passes, but he made the plays that he needed to make, and he led us to victory. And that interception, that was a great play by Witherspoon on Boyd. Burrow put it where it needed to be, and Boyd just got out-wrestled for the ball, and Boyd never gets out-wrestled for the ball. And Boyd had a great game himself, and this one play, the defender just made a big play. So it goes on the stat sheet as an interception. But in reality, it was just an outstanding defensive effort. And last episode, I was really going off on the invalidity of stats and how people just, you know, if you're not watching the game and the eye test, you're going off stats. And I, I, you just can't do that in football. Maybe in baseball you can. You know, maybe the guy's got to get 100 RBIs or bat 300 or hit 30-plus homers. You know, those are like benchmarks. In football, you know, you'll see an interception that's not a guy's fault. Or you'll see, you know, so-and-so had a 300-yard passing game, but little did you know that most of it was in junk time. You know, all those things go into stats. I don't care about stats in football, please. And you don't hear me on this show do that. I'm not going to do that to you guys. I'm not going to pollute your brain with stats. The numbers all start melding together and nothing makes sense. You don't remember anything. You don't take in anything. And half the time, the stats are just skewed anyway. So I don't care about pro football focus rankings. I don't care about 300-yard passing games. I don't care about anything. I care about great performances on the field, great athletic performances, and winning games. I'm on a rant this episode. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just jacked up because we won. But with that said, let's go over the good in the game. So Jamar Chase, breakout game, 12 receptions, 141 yards. Oh man, I just said stats when I said I wasn't going to. But that's worthy. That's a lot of catches, a lot of yards, and he needed a breakout game. But really, regardless of the numbers, he was running great routes. He showed excellent hands. He was making catches on the sideline, toe-tapping. He was doing the spin moves that made Jamar Chase famous, like that huge play against the Ravens where he, he bounced off defenders and spun twice. You saw some of that this game. He had some tough yards after catch. Just the total Jamar Chase package, catching short balls, fighting through traffic, catching deep stuff, being there when we need him for big plays, for first downs. Great game by him. Totally great performance. Joe Mixon was a difference maker. He's having a great year. Again, 100-yard games, who cares? Look at on a play-by-play basis. He's breaking tackles. He's showing speed. He's jump cutting. He's showing elusiveness. He's a punishing runner. People don't want to ta- defensive backs don't want to tackle him. Linebackers know, all right, it's going to be a, a dogfight when I try to tackle this guy. So Joe Mixon is just in, what, his seventh year in the league? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But he's been around for a while, 
and he does not show any signs of slowing down this season. He's having a great year. We're going to lean on him more and more, especially if Joe Burrow is compromised, and look for Joe Mixon to just continue to excel and help this team win games. Tyler Boyd continues to make big catches and the move the chains first down catches. We saw a bunch of examples last week. We saw a few examples this week. You know, he doesn't get the same fanfare as Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but he is a very valuable player in this offense, and I hope he sticks around after this year. But we're going to live in the moment and say, Tyler, just contribute to a Super Bowl this year, and we'll see where we go after this. And I'll tell you, Tanner Hudson had more of an impact in this game than Irv Smith has had all season. And I'm going to say, you know, it's not like Irv Smith is like this big free agent signing. He basically signed like a a $1 million plus deal, nothing huge. But we were kind of banking on him to be the guy, and he still might be the guy. But he came in with an injury history, and he's already injured after two underwhelming games. But Tanner Hudson, I mean, he got open. He made plays when he needed to make plays. And I think this is a guy that you have to keep active and on the active roster for game day because he showed that he could be a threat down the seam. And I just want to see more out of him. It's exciting. You know, Irv Smith, I hope he comes back and has a monster year too. But there is room for Tanner Hudson to be that number two tight end in this offense. And I'm just curious to see how he performs with more action. And Alex Kappa is playing at a very high level. He's the best offensive lineman on this team. I don't know. You know, he'll probably get snubbed for the Pro Bowl like because there's guys that kind of just get grandfathered in. But he is having a monster first three games. Just watch the tape on him. And Karras was excellent this game. Orlando Brown was excellent this game. I don't care about the false start. Even Jonah had a good game this game. Defensively, Logan Wilson, two interceptions, showing great ball skills, tackling all over the field, showing great range. You know, even tackling, I I believe it was Atwell on on some breakaway play, which wasn't looking good, and there's Logan Wilson coming to the rescue. He really is becoming an elite linebacker that's worthy of that contract, and I'm so glad that he's going to be in the building for a few years. Trey Hendrickson, monster game. Two sacks. He had a third sack that was called back by a penalty on Hubbard. He had a ton of pressures. Second half, he just took over the game, and that's the Trey Hendrickson that we know and love who has been just performing for this team since the moment he walked in the door. And all the defensive line starters had sacks. Hubbard, Hendrickson, Hill, Reeder with that huge sack early in the game. And Hill's sack was a huge sack that put the Rams at the four-yard line late in the game. So all those guys that worked so hard all game, every week, they all got their their sacks. And, you know, again, those are the stats, I guess, that get defensive linemen paid. But it was nice to see all four of them. I think that's the first time that's ever happened where they all got sacks in one game. Hubbard continues to be dominant against the run. Jermaine Pratt all over the field. Almost had that interception. He's going to wake up in the middle of the night thinking about that play. Doesn't matter. He played great. And he's always going for the strip. There was another play where he's banging at the ball late. You think he's going to pound it away. So he's going to have his share of interceptions and forced fumbles. And this game, it was just two close misses. But a great game by Pratt. Mike Hilton was very good in coverage, and normally that's the weakest spot of his game. He was excellent in coverage this game. They blitzed him a lot. He had that tipped ball that resulted in the Logan Wilson interception, so a great game out of him. Dax Hill is showing up huge. He had that massive highlight reel sack where he was just in there in basically a second and a half and just drilling Stafford on the blind side. Stafford really should have seen him coming, but that's not my problem. He had two tackles for a loss. One of them was very decisive where he just split the hole, comes in, and just annihilates the running back. He's tackling an open field. He's tackling an open space. He's covering guys. He's showing range. He's showing speed. Dax Hill, one of the biggest question marks, looks like he is totally panning out. And, you know, Jesse Bates was a savvy veteran and a great player and had a couple really great years. Dax Hill is a better athlete, so if... Dax Hill has the same light come on that Jesse Bates has. We're looking at another dominant safety. And like I said, that was a big question mark heading into the season. Awuzie had a very good game. His tackling is outstanding. He's a hard hitter from the corner position. He let up the long pass at the end of the game, but everyone is going to have a bad play here and there. I thought Awuzie played great, and there's no signs of him slowing down or being not the player that he was after that knee injury. 
Cam Taylor Britt has been solid. He lets up some passes, but it's this bend don't break. He's hitting hard. His tackling is outstanding. I, I love our corners. Hilton, Awuzier, and Britt. And then you bring in DJ Turner, and there's like no drop off when he's in there. And he came in this game and I was like, I was like, they're gonna go right after him. And they didn't, or if they did, the guys that he was covering wasn't open. So I'm seeing some really good flashes out of DJ Turner already in his third game. So just add him to that list of corners. If someone goes down, I'm kind of trusting that he's going to go in there and do the job. Special teams, Evan McPherson, 49-yarder, 53-yarder, 48-yarder, 54-yarder. I know he missed the 56 early in the game, and everyone was shocked. And, oh, is he, is he losing it? No. I mean, he didn't get a break. He didn't have any chip shots this whole game. Every kick was like a, a monster mile-long kick. And he just performed, and again, he is the kicker that you take into the Super Bowl and win championships with. And Charlie Jones is showing up in the return game. Teams are really going to be watching film and having to account for him. I think he had a 19-yard return this game. And it just feels like after he broke that one last week, that every time he touches the ball, something big is going to happen. And they kept commenting on how fast he was, uh, Riddick and Orlovsky. And again, I, I think he's like a 4-5 or five guy. But again, when you're getting chased, you become a 4-3 guy, and that's certainly what he does on that field, and I'm, I'm very excited. He got his first NFL reception, so we'll probably see him get a little more involved in the offense, but if he just continues to be that punt return weapon, that's huge for us. The bad in this game, I hate to do it because Cordell Volson has been playing so well. You know, he, he had a little bit of a rough start his rookie year, and he just was so solid, and he's really not had many bad games as a Bengal. In this game, Aaron Donald just got the best of him. I mean, Volson let up two sacks, a bunch of pressures. He was the weak spot on that offensive line, and he never is. And I'm not going to make this a referendum on his ability. He faced one of the greatest defensive tackles of all time, and he got schooled. But you know what? He's going to watch the tape. He's going to get better. And he's not going to face any defensive lineman as good as Aaron Donald. So I don't foresee Cordell Volson being a problem on that offensive line because he's been playing great since halfway through last year and into the first couple games of this year. Brad Robbins is struggling. I'm not going to lie. He's had a couple bad punts, one off the side of his foot, a couple short punts, not helping field position. They're going to tolerate it because he's a, a draft pick. He's a rookie. He's got a high ceiling it's just going to take him a little while to get it together, but it's something that we need to keep our eye on. And I'm not selling him down the river. He's a rookie who's played three NFL games. He's had a few good punts. He's had a few bad punts. We'll see how it all plays out. In this game, I would consider his performance more of a net negative than a positive. And Osai comes back, and he's pretty much invisible this game. Murphy, again invisible, even though he almost blocked a punt. Those are two guys that, you know, after Hendrickson and Hubbard, and sample. You want to see those guys come in and make an impact. I know Osai's coming off an injury and Murphy's still getting his NFL legs underneath him, but both of those guys were pretty much ineffective in this game. All right, let's go on to some key plays in the game. So there were four plays in particular. I'm not going to highlight any Rams good plays. It's all going to be Bengals good plays. So Logan Wilson's first interception. What happens? Hendrickson beats the left tackle. Nick Scott blitzes. Stafford gets rattled, tries to sidearm through it, you know, tries to do a Mahomes or a Stafford Super Bowl throw. Scott hits him at the same time. Wilson makes this diving interception, great hands, great jump on the ball. They reviewed the play, was not reversed. Interception, Logan Wilson. Thank you, Trey Hendrickson, and thank you, Nick Scott, as well. The Mixon touchdown. Mixon runs to the left. Wilcox seals his guy. Sample seals his guy. We have two tight ends on that side. Volson makes a seal on his guy. And then Brown gets to the second level, plows the linebacker. Mixon cuts back. He makes a jump cut, cuts back, sprints to the end zone. Touchdown. Lambeau leap into the crowd. Just an excellent play. Very, very well blocked. Great vision by Joe Mixon. Just prototypical running back. You have the vision. You have the jump cut. You have the toughness. You have the speed. Touchdown Bengals, never looking back. Excellent play. Play of the game, truthfully. Logan Wilson's second interception was the next key play. We have a three-man rush only. We're dropping everybody else back. But Hilton blitzes. 
Hilton gets picked up by the tackle and kind of bounces off of him. Stafford tries to get it through. Hilton falls back, tips the pass right to Logan Wilson, who shows awareness, ball skills, a second interception, a legendary interception for Logan Wilson, and a huge play in this game and caused totally by Mike Hilton. And then my favorite play of the game was the Chase 43-yard reception. So you have Chase Brown in the game for one of the rare appearances from scrimmage. He's doing great on special teams, by the way. Burrow shifts him behind him, and you have Chase alone on the right side. Burrow fakes the pitch to Chase Brown, rolls right, and throws perfectly on the move. The ball traveled 32 yards in the air. He hits Chase on a corner route for 43 yards. Huge play. Stadium explodes. We're back, Bengals fans. We're back. And the beauty of that was the fake by Burrow. No one thought he was going to roll out because he's been stationary the whole game. Chase Brown sold it well. And Jamar Chase runs a great corner route. And Burrow just watched the throw. It was it was magic. He's on the move to the right and just slings it. And you just see it perfectly, accurately in the air going to one of the best receivers in football. And again, saying the Cincinnati Bengals are back. We're not going anywhere. And be on the lookout for us to just knock your teeth in and go to the Super Bowl. All right, so I always like to review the first drive of the second half to see what the mindset was coming out of the locker room. So here we go. First play, Mixon left for 14 yards. Then Mixon left for 2 yards. Then you have Chase out of the slot for 16 yards. Then you have a play action, no one open. We throw an incomplete sideline pass to Charlie Jones. Then we have Travion Williams in the game, incomplete swing pass, Donald Plowsboro. So coming out of the gate, we said we're going to run Joe Mixon right away and we're going to set up the play action, and that's exactly what we did. After Burrow gets plowed by Donald, we have one of the best Burrow throws on the next play, and that was that chase slant on the back shoulder for 13 yards and a first down. Then you had Mixon right for no gain. They were all over that play, got eaten up, but he dives forward and gets right back to the line of scrimmage, so it's not a loss. Good play by Joe Mixon. Then you have Higgins wide open on an in route for 14 yards. Then you have Chase, a motion swing pass for four yards. And then you have the huge touchdown to Joe Mixon for a 14-yard touchdown with excellent blocking in front. So we came out and said, we're going to run it. Now, let's look at, at the plays. We have a run, a run, a play action, another run, two swing passes, and another run. So out of the 10 plays, we went downfield three times. And one was a great in to Higgins. We wanted to get him back involved second half. One was the great play to Chase. And then the other one was an incomplete pass where Burrow didn't see anything downfield. But that was the mindset coming out of the locker room. Great first drive. 75 yards, 10 plays, 5 minutes. Bengals would never look back. All right, so in summary, we needed a win. The coaching staff was excellent. And our two best offensive players willed us a win. Our season is very much alive at this point. It's so refreshing. Like I said, 0-3 wouldn't have been the end of the world, but it certainly wouldn't, wouldn't have been fun to sit in until next Sunday and try to dig your way out. The offensive and defensive game plan was perfect. The second half adjustments were perfect. This game plan might not work in a shootout. You know, while this was going on, I'm like, you know, if we can't get the ball downfield consistently and, and we're just going to dink and dunk... Can we keep up with a Patrick Mahomes offense? I'm jumping the gun. Like I said at the top of the show, we'll take it one week at a time. Just put that in the back of your head, but I don't want any negative thoughts. It's a good week for us. Let's just take everything as it comes. Next week, we face a 1-2 and two Titans team that got destroyed by the Browns. They're struggling on offense, even though they have good skill players. They have a good defense and a great defensive line. The Titans are going to watch film. They're going to attack Volson. They're going to try to game plan against the quick passing game, point guard game that we did against the Rams. But I'm hoping that Burrow and our offense prevails. Our offense is not just going to do the exact same game plan. We're going to throw in some wrinkles. But the Titans are going to be prepared for what we put on film last week. The Titans are going to lean on Derrick Henry a lot on offense to take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. I think we're up to the challenge. We've contained him in the past. Tannehill does have some good receivers, but his game is slipping and they have some protection issues. So hopefully Hendrickson has the same kind of game he has. Hopefully we coerce Tannehill into some bad decisions and interceptions. And I don't know, 
I don't think Tannehill beats Joe Burrow, no matter if Joe Burrow's playing on one leg or no legs. Bengals 26-19, 2-2, and we're right back in the mix. And the other AFC North teams start playing each other. Like we have the Ravens-Browns, we have the Ravens-Steelers, the Browns play the Niners. So, you know, they everyone has tough games ahead of them. If we just stay on course and we go 2-2, two and two, and then we go to Arizona 3-2, and two, again, not getting ahead of ourselves, but if we just stay the course and win the winnable games in front of us, the division is going to take care of itself because they all have to play each other and there's a lot of tough games and a lot of, you know, gauntlets in everyone's schedule. So one game out of first place in the division, plenty of time left, really inspiring, motivational win, some great game planning, facing a Titans team that doesn't look that good right now. Let's go to 2-2 two and two and be one step closer to our goals for this season. All right, I'd like to welcome back a very special guest. Now, he's a guy that brings so much intensity into that stadium. It's like this guy should actually be playing for the Bengals because I've just the energy and the intensity is just something really special. I know it gets everyone charged up in the crowd. We see him on TV constantly. And, you know, while we're all sitting home in, in the comfort of our living rooms, this guy is out there battling it. No matter if it's raining, snowing, 12 degrees, he's in the front line giving his all for this Bengals team. He is a Bengals super fan. He is a cool guy. He's a friend of the show. I would like to introduce the third down guy, Mark Walters. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing great after that big old win by the Bengals last night. That was, it was a great win. I tell you this, we're going to see a big, long win streak going on here, just like we did last year. So I am super stoked and ready for the Bengals to beat the Tennessee Titans this Sunday. I'm hoping the same thing. And you know what? Let's get to the first question. And I wanted to ask you, what was it like being in the stadium? It was a whiteout. It was a Monday night game. We honored Boomer and Chad Johnson. You're, of course, on the front lines. You know, give the listeners a little bit of what it was like to be in that in that crowd for this whole evening. I mean, it just it's just a lax fight. I mean, people was rowdy, making noise, cheering on a team. You know, every you know we we. Was, making loud noise like we just like i think the place they feel off our energy they feel us you know and every third down they show me on the big screen i'm waving my towel so all i can and i'll tell you this last night it took a lot out of me because that game was i mean it was a close game i mean first half it was six to six you know then after that second half you know offense kept on click you know click you know make some plays on so defense play like but it just that type of atmosphere is different because why out everybody's pumped you got the white helmet you got all a wage like the white jersey like you know the color of the jersey last year was all right with the white jersey but i like our white jersey we have on it because it's blend in and like you know it's just it's a different atmosphere and all that stuff because monday night we got the nation watching us and everybody's down on us like can the bingles win can the bingo do that and joe buzz having you know with a big old contract you know it's getting through his head and all that stuff. but you know we overcome it we you know we capped light last night you know awesome and it's just you know we and we tailgate around noon you know i got there around 1 30 and we would just just you know have fun hooting with all the fellow bingo fans and all that stuff it just it's a different environment during because the why out it just and, you know, we're just excited, we're pumped, and, you know, we got the white tiger helmet and everything, it just, and we just got that statement loud, like, we, we were so loud, every time they play, you know, you can tell my voice is ratchet, you know, as in, a lot of people voice ratchet I talk to today and all that stuff, but it's just a different environment during, like, a 1 o'clock game, 425, because you got the light on, you got, you know, the lights, you know, you know, they got the light frequently and everything, it just, it's amazing after, it's just let's fight. Uh, it's so cool that you were in attendance there. And you know what, Mark? Almost every week I see you on TV. They're, you know, they, they flashed you at some point during the game. And I'm like, oh, there's my boy. You know, very well deserved. In this Monday night game, I didn't see you on TV. I was so upset about it. But as you said, I guess you were on the ju the Jumbotron a bunch within the stadium? 
Yes, yes, yes. I was on jump and I'm okay. I'm not on TV. I know people like, oh, we're not seeing. It's it's okay. I'm not gonna get mad over it. I really don't care about that. I don't try to get attention. I don't. I go to game, have fun, do my thing. When I've been doing since I've been going to Bengals game, and I think that's why the fans fell in love with me because they know because they met me. They know like I'm a down earth guy. We're willing to talk to him. They really take pictures. I have little kids come up. I have. Parents always like my kids look up to you. They love you and all that. So I even have grown adults love me that they look up to me. You know, I got called a legend during the uh, one Ravens game and the one late post on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. It's like this legend. It's just, it's just. I don't, I don't care. Like, you know, if I'm on TV, that's great, fantastic. But it doesn't matter. Like my my friend Chris Neese, you know, who when Joe Nace scored that touchdown, he jumped in the stand and he was in the white paint phase with the white hat and everything. That's I want to see my friends who I'm very close with get on TV, get that limelight. Like for me, I'm gonna get it. Yeah, that's great. But I want my friends and people I know to get on TV. I love it, you know, that my friend Chris got on TV. That was great. And I told him, and I was joking after the game, like, hey, you need to hit the weight room because you have a whole time getting Joe Nixon. He's like, it's not just only me, but, you know, it's, it's, it does matter. Like, I'm going to get my air time, you know, one point down the road. But, you know, it's just seeing my friends, they get on TV and get recognized and all that stuff. Yeah, and I think that's the cool part about it is, you're just doing what you do. You're not you're not trying to put on a show. You're not trying to get on TV. You're just being Mark Walters and because you're so cool and so intense, you know, you end up getting recognized. So I think that's the organic way and the cool way to do it rather than putting on some act. Mark, what were you wearing during this whiteout? Cuz I know you normally have have your 3 jersey on and I believe that you have a black version. I don't know if you have the orange, but did did you were you wearing white for this? Oh, yeah, white jersey, the throw-down guy, white jersey. I had to. Because last year, I was trying to – I didn't get um, get the custom-made throw-down jersey for the white one. I got the black one from a very good friends, you know, from Scotland who came last year from Kansas City. They literally bought that custom-made jersey for me, and, and I was so grateful that they did that and so humble because they are great people. They're going to come back this year again. So, yeah, I got the white throw-down guy and the orange throw-down guy. Yeah, I was wearing my white jersey. Um, shorts, you know, did my hair do and all that stuff, and I didn't wear my sungrass game cut during nighttime, you know, that stuff. Cause I tried that one time with sungrass, it kind of like hurt my eye, and everything was like dark and everything. But no, I was wearing my white throw down jersey, got my orange um, towel. They did, they did give out white towels and all that, but I did, I did not like it because it wasn't long enough, and I had, I didn't, I didn't have like good grip to swing that towel around and all that stuff. So yeah. Yeah, it, like the whole statement, everybody's wearing white. Like, doesn't matter if it was a white bingo jersey, a white t-shirt, long sleeve, everything. It was just, you, you was at that statement, you would see all white. It was it was a great, great, great shot, great picture. If you ever want to take a high view picture of us wearing all white, you know, it was, it was just a beautiful thing. Yeah, when they panned to the crowd on the big crowd shots, it looked amazing to, to see this sea of white and all the Bengals fans really buying into being unified. And I'm telling you, Mark, you did a great job on third down. Whatever you were doing was working because we held them to one for 11 on third downs. The only third down they converted was that late touchdown on the very last play that the Rams ran. What did you think of the game in general? Like any any observations from being there and what was going on on the field? Yeah, on defense play light out. They improved from last week. Because you saw last week, Baltimore was making big plays, but we did not stop him, you know, stop him in the red zone. Like, yeah, um, L.A. Ram, they did make some big plays. I'll give them credit for that. But they got down at red zone. The Bengals defend and lose all difficult. They tighten up so bad. They shut them down the red zone. Yeah, one for, one for what, 11, you say, or 13? Yeah, that was a big key for And we create turnover. Logan Wilson, two picks, big two picks on our side. And we got pressure on Max Stafford. Trey, um, Trey Hexton, two sacks. He's looking like the back of the old tracks and we got him for you. Sam Hubbard, Dex Hill, DJ Reed. B.J. Hill, that's that's a bingo D for me. No, they were so graphic, putting pressure on Matthew Stafford off and all that stuff. And, that's, and that was a big key and all that stuff for our defense play. Light out the whole tie game, definitely down the red zone. Hold it, holding with field goal. Yeah, they scored one touchdown late in, late in the game and all that stuff. But, hey, you know what, our defense play game. Our offense, we are seeing our offense on a quick little bit. Joe Buzz, 
he was sailing a lot of balls. He was sailing a lot of balls. You know, he was he was off, and you could tell he was sailing. He wasn't sure sailing, but we saw some Joe Bud that you know he made big plays and all that stuff. T Higgins. Yeah, he did drop some passes. Everybody just calm down. T. Higgins will be fine. Yeah, you know, he will be T. Higgins next week. We, this upcoming Sunday, we play Tennessee. Jamal Chase, big game we have. He has like 100-some yard um, receiving. I think he got over 10 tech catches. And that's the Jamal Chase we know. We got to get him going. He can make some big plays. He can, you know, you put him in space, and he's just phenomenal. Ty Bull, we saw him. He did pretty good. You know, and I went sideball catch that one ball that Ram guy took the ball. I mean, Joe Bud did throw a good pass right there, but that Ram defender did make a good plays and pick the ball off and everything. So, and I'm gonna tell you that Joe Nixon, by so far out of all the offense, he been consistent. The first game he been consistent, second game is consistent, and we get him going. That look, look, look at last night. He scored that bunch of time, fourteen yards. He get about five, six good yards and everything. We get him going. I mean, that would let off the punch of Joe Burge, you know, because you know Joe Burge, you know, because this team we are at what seventy percent or eighty percent pass, twenty percent. But we need to balance that because we got Joe Nixon in the backfield can make big plays. Like he say. I'd be like him to say he's been consistent and all that stuff. But the offense, they will get up there. I think Joe Burns, he's going to get back to we. he is, you know, that, you know, he, he's, I, if he played hood, but, you know, I don't know. You know, I think that Cap, he's okay. He's 100%. He's going to get back. Yeah, he needs to work on, you know, not, you know, not stay on the ball and all that stuff. But we see Joe Burns, he can make plays and all that stuff. He can make plays. And I think this upcoming. Sunday, he's just going to have a come-out game. I think he's going to get about three passing touchdowns, maybe four, and we're going to see Joe Burrow. Everybody is like, yep, Joe Burrow is back. We don't have to worry about that calf is fine. No, I said, you know, he's going to be okay. And, you know, like I say, all offense, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get back to all offense in the previous year, scoring touchdowns, making big plays, and all I said. Defense, I'm not even worried about that. Because Lou on that side, defense corner, he just – Amazing. He's just an amazing coach, and he can make a halftime adjustment on the fly. All right, here's the big question. With Burrow, with the calf, we don't know. We're hoping that he's going to bounce back and be healthy enough to, to take us where we want to go. You know, the Browns are showing up this year. They're looking better than ever. The Ravens, it's looking like Lamar's having a good season. Even the Steelers, their offense is really bad, but their defense is trouble. Mark, where do you think the season is going to go from here for the Cincinnati Bengals? I think I think we'll be I think we'll win the division. I think we're gonna be all right. I think this team's gonna start clicking right now. Like last year we went on a what, a ten game winning streak? And I think we're gonna be starting that we saw that last night with this big win. This must win. It was a must win. If we were down 0 and three, I think everybody be questioned for a team. But no, they fight back, they play hard, and I think we're gonna start we're gonna be up top. You know, we got Baltimore in in November, that's going to be a tough matchup, but I think we will beat them. I think we will get all the revenge back. Cleveland, the last game of the season, hopefully we quench the division. Hopefully we got the first C overall, so we don't have to worry about that. Pittsburgh, you know, I, th- I think we can beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, the offense quicken, the defense a little banging up and all that stuff, but I think we'll be okay because we... T- I have full confidence on team. I got full confidence teams. And Zach Taylor, I trust so much. Zach Taylor, the head coach, doing a great, fantastic job with these guys. You know, get them ready for every, you know, we play Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever day we play. But I'm not worried about I think we will win the division. And I think, yeah, you know, we will take care of business when we play Pittsburgh, beat them twice, beat the Ravens, Switch, and Browns. I mean, it's if we win, because if we, you know, we have a start in, you know, if we win or back up, if not, that I'm not worried about because we quench the division, quench a playoff spot, and hopefully get that first seat overall, you know, home field face. And the AFC championship will come to pay cool statement. I still call it Paul Bond statement. I love it, man. You are a spokesman for this team. Your energy is infectious. That's why you're on the Jumbotron. That's why you're on TV. That's why people and little kids are asking for your autograph and pictures. You're just you're just really cool to have as one of the lead Bengal fans. I hope that you get fan of the year one of these years. And like I said, thank you for doing what you do, man. It's it really is important when we get the third down defense riled up and you know confuse their offense, get a few false starts. 
you know, I always said they should have a, a billboard or a scoreboard in the stadium for the false starts by the other team and give the crowd credit. So I'm sure you're going to be good for about 55 negative yards on other offenses. But in reality, Mark, really a pleasure talking to you and thank you for what you do. You're on the front lines and it's very much appreciated. How do people find you on social media? Social media, Facebook, Mark Walter. I'm going to try to do a separate place, a page for Third Down Guy. I need to work on that. But I got Twitter, X, and I'm Third Down Guy. Follow me on Facebook, you know, it's Mark Walter. I will try to get separate because I have people try to add me. I hit the 5,000 5, friend remarks, so I have to, like, start deleting people. But I'm going to start making a separate Facebook. But, yeah, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. You know, I will add you as a friend, follow you back, you know, interact with you, you know, you know with all Bingo fans base and all that stuff. And hope to get to see you guys even for a home game. And I'm planning on going to some away games. I'm going to... Arizona, Jacksonville, Baltimore, and, Steve, and um, Pittsburgh. So, if you guys go into the away games, you see me come up, and you know what, you know what, you know, I will, I love to talk to you guys. I'm taking pictures with you guys, and you know, become friend, not just you know, become like you know, a Facebook friends or a Twitter friend, a, a friend to you guys and all that stuff. And you know, and I will, you know, be appreciated on to meet you know all anybody who wants to see me. I look forward to meeting you in person, my friend, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me on the show, and, you know, this is awesome. You can ask me back anytime soon. I, you know, I, I love doing this stuff, you know. I love being on your show, and you do a great, amazing job. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.